0: The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Steve Dorff is joining us. He's a songwriter, composer, a recent inductee of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. He's also an author. His autobiographical book, I Wrote That One Too, A Life in Songwriting from Willie to Whitney, was published in 2017 to tell you about some of the artists who have recorded Steve Dorff songs. Barbara Streisand, Celine Dion, George Strait, Kenny Rogers, Ann Murray, Garth Brooks. He's been honored with more than 40 BMI awards, 14 Billboard No. 1s, over 20 top 10 hits for country and pop artists, and it's a great pleasure to welcome him here today. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. And congratulations on the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. It was last
1: week, and I'm still uh, still on kind of a high from that evening. It was just uh, just an incredible night.
0: What was that like for you to have your name among all the great composers and lyricists going back from people like... Irving Berlin, to Paul McCartney, and among yeah, them, Steve Dorff. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's still kind
1: of surreal to me, but um, it, it was, you know, it, it's just an honor that that's pretty much indescribable. Uh, uh, it was what I've been working for my whole career, uh, without really even consciously doing that. And uh, and then when, when that moment came, when they inducted me, uh, it really hit. It was uh, extremely emotional. And um, I think it just celebrates the uh, entirety of a career. And um, as opposed to, you know, just having a hit and maybe getting nominated for an Emmy or a Grammy or uh, for a one a one-time thing, or a give in a given year. This this is kind of a lifetime achievement that, uh, like you say, is uh, being included in in a group of iconic songwriters. Um, it's just uh, it's an amazing an amazing thing. Very, I'm profoundly grateful.
0: Well, it is deserved. Thank you, thank you. So. As I was listing all those artists, and these are huge recording artists, legends themselves, who have recorded your songs, it makes me wonder, do you have a favorite genre? Because these artists, they span all genres. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've been
1: asked that a lot. I, I, when I sit down and, and write a song, I'm, I'm usually not thinking genre i'm usually not even thinking artist i'm i'm just trying to write what i'm feeling and come out with the with the best song that i can and then hopefully someone great wants to record it and i think that's what slots it into a genre um i've had songs the same song recorded by artists that uh were r&b were country pop uh and and i think what what makes that genre is the artist who records them and of course the production and the sound of the record but um i wouldn't say i have a favorite i just uh i just love a great recording of something i've written and uh uh, i i try to appreciate each one for for what it
0: is Something that you mentioned a couple times in the book was something along the lines of that a great song is going to find a way.
1: Yeah, I I, I do believe that. Sometimes it it takes a long time, and sometimes, sometimes uh, they don't find their home. I've got some, some what I consider some of my best songs are, are still waiting for that right artist to come along, or that right opportunity to come along. But I think eventually uh, a great song, if, it, if it's lucky enough to meet a great voice, it's going to be successful.
0: Another thing that you mentioned in the book that I thought was very interesting was you said that you believed a great song, if it was a truly great song, it could be arranged or interpreted by an artist in any genre, if it was a truly great song, and it could fit in any genre. Yeah,
1: I, I think going back to what, what we just talked about a little while ago, I I, I think that's totally true. Certainly with, with my songs, a song like I Cross My Heart, which was a huge hit for George Strait in, in the country genre, because George is the king of country music, uh, was recorded eight years prior to that by Ben Midler in a purely pop way. And before that, the demo was done in a very boys to men style arrangement. Uh, The very same song with the very same chord structure, exactly the same lyric and exactly the same melody. So it's it's really a matter of uh, that magical medium, being married to that magical voice that's going to, you know, uh, make people you know, re- that's going to resonate with, with the audience. And uh, and that's what defines the genre, I think. You know, I Cross My Heart Will Always Go Down, I, I suppose, as a big country song. But uh, it wasn't intended to be when, when I wrote it.
0: We're talking with songwriter Steve Dorff. He's the author of the memoir, I Wrote That One Too. And... I wanted to ask you what inspired you to want to write this book. Well, I,
1: I, I really had didn't have any aspirations to write a book. Uh, hell, I, I have enough trouble writing a four minute song. But I was doing one of my uh, evenings with Steve Dorff, where where I tell the stories uh, behind the hits and then I play them. And um, after I finished one of the shows, uh, a woman came up to me and, and said, you know, you really don't sing very good, but boy, your stories are fun. You should write a book. And I just kind of laughed laughed it off and said, well, if you get me a book deal, I'll write a book. And um, and sure enough, six months later, she called me. She was a literary agent. And she said, uh, you better start writing. And, um, and once I did, I, I found it a very very cool process uh, I, I threw myself into it for about a year and uh, just tried to relive all the stories behind all the songs and make it as entertaining as possible and, and give a behind the scenes look at uh, how all of these songs have their own journey and there is a, a very fine line between uh, great success and, and dismal failure and uh, so that's kind of where the book
0: came from. Was there anything you learned as a result of writing this book? Something you learned about yourself?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, uh, well, first off, I, I learned that I could do it. Uh, I really, you know, it was a different form of writing. But it's basically storytelling, which, which I enjoy doing. And um, I just did it in much more detail in the book. And um, I I revisited a lot of things that I didn't really want to revisit because uh, when you write a a kind of a tell-all autobiographical memoir, you have to cover some of the not-so-fun stuff as well as the as the fun stuff. And, and so going through that, it was, it was pretty cathartic experience and, um, and healing in some ways. And, uh, and when I was finished, I just felt a a real sense of pride that, uh, that it came out so well and it's being received so well by people in the music
0: business and not. So it was just a really, really good experience. One of the things I liked about the book was there were things that you you maybe could have left out to maybe be, I don't know, politically, cor- not politically correct, but to be, uh, to, you know what I'm trying to say. What, yeah. the The instance I'm talking about is when they were making the movie Pure Country. There's this little story mm-hmm. about you go into this restaurant or bar, and this guy, he kind of makes a snide comment. He says... Leave it to, you know, how about this? They finally make a movie called Pure Country, and look who they bring in. You're from New York, right. by the way. I think, yeah, I, I think that was a slam against a guy
1: from Hollywood, a guy from California, who, uh, you know, has done film and television. And there's a movie called Pure Country, and they don't go to Nashville to get country writers to write the songs. In, in fact, a lot of the songs in the movie were written by great Nashville writers. I just was hired to be the, the conduit between film and records because I sc- scored the movie as well as understand the mechanics of music for film. And, um, but yeah, it was kind of an uncalled for snide, Jealous-based comment, and I just kind of shrugged it
0: off as that. Do you think that there is a somewhat closed thing in Nashville?
1: Um, I always did, yes. I I think uh, for a long time it was a very good old boy scenario there, that if you didn't live there, you weren't totally... Accepted. I think uh, the walls have been sufficiently broken down over the years, and I don't see that as that big an issue today. Uh, I think it's more about great music. Nashville's always been about great music, but I do think it was, uh, there was a, a kind of un, unspoken prejudice against people that weren't there 24 7.
0: One of the other interesting things in the book is you give us some insight into a lot of your collaborators, some of the great lyricists you've written songs with, John Bettis, Marty Panzer, the great Paul Williams. This is probably a difficult question, but do you have a favorite songwriting collaborator? That would be like asking me, uh, who's my
1: favorite child? You know, I have four kids. Um... No, um, not a favorite. They all function in in. Uh, they all have their own signature. Every song I've written with with all of them has its own special sound. And uh, you know, you can tell a Milton Brown lyric a mile off. You can tell an Eric Kaz lyric. You can certainly tell a, a Paul Williams or or Marty Panzer or John Bettis lyric they all have their own signature and their own style that makes them so you know uh, so unbelievably you know brilliant and so for me writing with with all of those guys and and having the good fortune to have written with them uh every every song is uh, special in its own way but but I, I always know, you know, I, I, and I think most people can can tell from the lyric who who's connected to, to those lyrics. And so no, I wouldn't say I have a favorite. I, I think I have some favorite songs that I've written with each of them, of the songs that I've written with Bettis. You know, I have some that I think are just my favorites of the ones I wrote with John. Certainly ones I wrote with uh, Milton, same thing with caz, the same thing. So, yeah, um, it's just been, I've been so blessed of having written with uh, these giant, great writers.
0: There's a story in the book about a song that you wrote which became Baby, Lay Down and Dance. Mm-hmm. We had Kent Blazy as a guest just a, few, just a couple of weeks ago and I mm-hmm. thought it was an interesting story about how that song came to be. Well, Kent, uh, I I didn't hear I
1: didn't hear your interview with Kent. I'd love to hear it. Did he mention the song during the interview? Oh,
0: yeah. no, he didn't. We didn't go into that song, but I, I meant the oh, st- the story okay. in the book.
1: Yeah. Well, Kent and Kim and I wrote it uh, in in two thousand one, I believe. It was about it's about a seventeen year old song, and it was just kind of a throwaway at the end of uh, a three day writing session. And Kim, you know, was a machine. He could he could write ten songs in an hour. <laughs> and uh, Kent and I, you know, he said, hey, "Anybody got one more idea? We got some time." I said, "Well, I, I threw out this kind of." silly idea that was uh, almost x-rated called uh, let's lay down and dance and they they loved it and, and kim just started writing this lyric and we started playing around with it and lo and behold we had a little song mm-hmm. and i demoed it up and nothing really ever happened to it and uh, some 15 and a half years later kent's with garth and kent plays him the song and Garth loved the idea and the hook. And uh, obviously was 17 years old, so uh, not intended for Garth Brooks. So Garth had asked if he could uh, give it kind of a musical facelift, which he and Victoria Shaw did. And then we have a top 10 record out of it. So it's, uh, it's one of those crazy journeys of a song that was just gathering a lot of dust that all of a sudden became became a success,
0: what did you think of garth's interpretation? The recording?
1: Oh, I thought it was cool. It was He cut this track that was kind of like a doobie Brothers kind of vibe. Uh, it was just very progressive for garth, I think and uh, and a really cool record. you know it was, I loved it
0: in the book that you wrote. If you go through, the, there's a section in the back Of discography and accolades And Mm. it is just mind-blowing All of the artists who have recorded A Steve Dorff song It's like, who's left? You know, you had (laughs) Merle Haggard Ray Charles Ray Price I mean, Glenn Campbell As we mentioned at the beginning Barbra Streisand So, I want to know from you who would you like to see record a Steve Dorff song that hasn't yet? Oh, there's there's several. Uh, Josh
1: Groban comes to mind. Keith Urban comes to mind. Rascal Flatts. Just great voices, you know. I love great voices and and uh Demi Lovato comes to mind, you know. There's still a bunch out there that that I haven't had record one, so I'm,
0: uh, it, it kind of keeps me going. Has there been a reaction to the book that was surprising to you? Yeah, I think I think I you know I didn't
1: know what the reaction would be. I thought it would be interesting to uh, songwriters and to music people who could relate to the stories. I think what was surprising is that I've gotten emails and, and calls from people that are not in the music industry that have just really enjoyed reading the stories from the behind the scenes aspects, because uh, people don't, don't generally uh, get to see what goes on behind the scenes. They just hear a song on the radio and they, they, just, you know, they have no concept of, of what it takes for a song to get on the radio, and how many years it can possibly take. Like in the, in the case of Garth, you know, seventeen years from the time it was written to get to get on the radio. And so, I've been surprised. I think most that that people that uh, are not in the music business have really gravitated to the stories in the book and have really enjoyed enjoyed it. So,
0: what would you say is the best way to deal with hardships. Anyone who undertakes the entertainment business, there's going to be some disappointment. What did you find was oh the best way yeah. of, you know, the frustration that has to come t- with anybody in the arts? Yeah, well, I think it, it's life too. I, I think, you know, every,
1: every day poses its challenges, whether they are small or whether they're serious. And um, I think I approached the music business disappointments, of which there were many, uh, the same way I approach hardships and uh, disappointments in life. I just kind of, you know, take a deep breath, uh, try to pull myself together and uh, put my head down and, and go on to the next day and try to make it better. Um, there are, there are some things that I've experienced, obviously great loss that uh, you can't really do that with, uh, you know, it's, uh, losing my son, Andrew, for instance, uh, was like taking one of my arms off, but you learn to live with one arm and, and that's, that's pretty much the way, the way I deal with, uh, disappointment in general.
0: Hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit about this upcoming project. I've heard that you were brought on to write the music for a Murphy Brown revival.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Murphy's coming back to CBS, and um, it's been 20 years since it went off the air, which is really hard for me to fathom, and even bigger that that I started it 30 years ago. I mean, that's really hard to wrap my head around because it seems like yesterday. And it's coming back to CBS with Candace and, and the whole cast and uh, the whole original cast. And same writer, producer, um, creator, Diane English, who's brilliant. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun, especially in the politically charged world that we, that we live in. Murphy was always very outspoken. It's set in Washington, D.C., and uh, it's set in the newsroom and it's it's going to be i think uh i think it's going to be a, a whole lot of fun to
0: do again if anyone out there wants more information on Steve Dorf or more information on the book I wrote that one too they can go to stevedorf.com it's d o r f f you've written this book and it's a very introspective journey in some ways, and there's lots and lots of little lessons that I saw in some of the stories. Mm-hmm. Who would you say? How would you define Steve Dorf? Who is Steve Dorf? Wow, that's that's a tough one.
1: Um, I guess you'd have to read the book to, <laughs> to, for 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 everybody to kind of make their own. Uh, generalization as to the answer to that question. I, I think for me, I, I just try to, um uh, you know, I love, I love writing music. I have since the time I can remember as a child, it's what defines me. The music defines me and, um, it's full of heart, which I think I have a big heart and, uh, and that's really, the, you know, in in, in twenty five words or less, I think that's what what I would say about myself is that uh, you know I i am uh, love my kids and and uh, and I love doing what what I do and uh, I've been so blessed to to have uh, gotten to make a living from loving what I do.
0: Well, Mr. Dorf, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah,
1: thanks, Paul. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, you always ask great questions, and um, I appreciate that.
0: Well, thank you, and thank you for the great book.
1: Thanks, Paul. I, pr- I appreciate it. I'm glad you enjoyed it, and uh, uh, thanks for having me on again, and uh, hope to talk to you again soon.
0: All right, sir. Until next time. Okay, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment and Media. The Paul Leslie theme song composed, recorded, and produced by Jeff Pike. Outro music composed, recorded, and produced by John Goodwin, originally appearing in the short film Malukas and Vulnerable Jelly Things. Please consider subscribing to the Paul Leslie Hour. And if you like us, give us a review. It'll help other people to find this content. All past interviews are also available on YouTube. For more information, you can visit thepaulleslie.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Paul Leslie. Thanks for listening. Be good.